Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast. So welcome. If this is your first time listening, this is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 180. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to talk about overall wellness topics like mental health, credit, and vegan entrepreneurship because this is truly a lifestyle. So I love to dive into other vegan businesses. If you're not already, make sure you're following me on Instagram and YouTube. I'm Brown Vegan on both of those platforms. So yes, it feels good to be healthy (laughs) after like struggling, y'all. So I went to Chicago to hang out with Tamika. I think I talked about it a couple of episodes ago and I came home with COVID We did go to a boat party, so that's probably where I got it because I was not wearing my mask during that time, even though I don't even know if the mask is really preventing anything. But I will say that I haven't really been sick since I've been wearing it, so I don't know. There might be a correlation there. But anyway, the boat party was great. We were taking so many videos and pictures that I did not have a mask on. And when I came home, I had like this massive headache. My stomach was hurting, a little bit of diarrhea. And I just could not get my energy together. And so my boyfriend was like, you should take a COVID test. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think I have COVID. Girl, I had COVID, okay? So I basically just slept for four days. That's all it was. And I just feel like my month is just starting. Even though it's the 12th, I feel like I didn't really start feeling like myself until around the 10th, the 8th or the 10th, something like that. So it just feels really good to be healthy again, be back to normal. And I thank you guys so much for bearing with me in that last episode. I had to like just get that intro out (laughs) because I was on a deadline for a brand. So I wanted to make sure that the episode came out on time. It's kind of making me think about how I really need to get into the habit of recording, like batch recording my intros, not all of them, but at least like a little bit, you know, getting ahead so that I don't do it at the last second. So in situations like that, when I don't really have much of a voice, I don't run into issues of not being able to record. But I love to do the intros fresh for y'all because I'm telling you about whatever's going on in my life at that moment. So I don't know. I got to figure out how to balance it. So anyway, I hope you guys are having an amazing day. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and supporting the show. I just have so much creative energy. I'm just so excited to continue to just share. If you haven't already, I've been like uploading on YouTube, y'all. I'm on a schedule over there, which feels incredible. And I have a vegan workshop coming out for y'all later this month. So you should definitely come and hang out with me. So it's going to be a two hour virtual live workshop where I'm going to break down the seven steps that you need to take to go vegan. We're going to go over meal planning, reading labels, grocery shopping, vitamins you should be taking cooking, saving time in the kitchen, and strategies on how to stay on track. You also get a meal plan and an ingredient replacement guide. So definitely make sure that you sign up for this workshop I have going on on June 30th. So after this workshop is over, you should feel like you have the confidence to begin a delicious, compassionate, and simple vegan life. I want to give you the confidence to feel good about meal planning, grocery shopping, and being a social vegan. I know that's like hard for a lot of people. You'll also be empowered to 
experiment with new ingredients and recipes. So definitely go make sure that you sign up for this workshop. It's $25 and you can find it at brownveganworkshop.com. There'll also be a Q&A session. We're going to have a lot of fun. So definitely make sure that you sign up for it, even if you just want the meal plan part, because I know people always ask me to come up with meal plans. Meal plans, replacement guide, I got you. So once again, the link is brownveganworkshop.com to sign up. I look forward to connecting with y'all in that way. So on today's episode of the show, I have Chantel on here. She is the owner of Estella's Vegan Cuisine, where they have amazing... I've heard amazing. <laughs> I've heard this amazing cakes and savory dishes. She does pop ups. She has a location where you can actually purchase her desserts. I love this conversation because she was very open about her experiences being an entrepreneur and like the ups and downs of this exp- of this lifestyle and how sometimes you know what that nine to five actually just just sounds a little better <laughs> when it's all said and done with all of the work that goes on with being an entrepreneur. We chat about her desire desire to to veganize some of her favorite dishes that she grew up loving and her grandmother's inspiration her grandmother's legacy that she is bringing to the forefront with her recipes and by offering vegan versions of some of her favorite dishes we also chat about finding time for yourself and how you have to recharge and refill in order to be your best with your business. Chantel is a mother of four. And of course, we talk about the behind the scenes of starting and growing Detroit's first black owned vegan bakery. As always, you can get the show notes for this episode at brownvegan.com. And don't forget to go to Chantel's website, which is estellacuisine.com to order your cakes or a cookbook or both. Just get both. So yes, if you are enjoying the show, make sure that you rate us an Apple podcast. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. I wouldn't say vegan, but vegetarian eating um, at a young age. My older sister, she actually was the first person in our family to go vegetarian. She was like 16. This was back in the 90s before, you know, this was cool and it was the buzzword. And back then, my sister was like heavily into like Erica Badu and a lot of other artists who you know, spoke about the lifestyle. And so in our family coming from, you know, we ate everything, like everything, okay, from pork and beef and the whole nine, everything was fried and dyed. And so it was like kind of like a shock to our family. And so that was my first introduction to it. Fast forward into my high school years, my stepfather had made a bet with me that you know, I could never give up pork and beef. And to be spiteful, I gave up pork and beef. And then (laughs) I just stuck with it. And then years later, I gave up the chicken, turkey and fish. And then after that, I started having really bad issues, uh, digestive issues as I had got older and I loved cheese, but I was just like, no, I can't give up cheese. Like this is just, I would just eat slices of cheese. Like that's how bad it was. And I got hemorrhoids. I had skin problems. And then I finally was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And so I had put myself on an elimination diet and I saw like right away with eliminating the dairy, how much my condition had improved. Like it was really bad. Like my hair was falling out and the doctors really couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. But as soon as I did that elimination diet, I noticed the change and I just stuck with it ever since. I was like, you know, although 
I had an I would say an addiction to dairy. It just wasn't worth the the pain and the the highs and lows that I was experiencing in my body. So long story in a nutshell, that's pretty much how my health journey kind of got started. Yeah. So you just, in a way, it sounds like you had no choice. If you wanted to be well, you had to do that. So when you talk about the elimination diet, for people who aren't familiar with that, what does that look like? Is it just taking something out at one, one ingredient at a time to determine what's causing you issues as far as your digestion or any other issues as far as allergies? So I, what I did was I eliminated dairy, soy, wheat, gluten, sugar, all at once. I know that's probably was a little more intense, but I was desperate because of the the pain and things I was feeling in my body. So I eliminated all of that. And then you gradually reintroduce. So I gradually reintroduce soy and see how my body responded. And then I would say maybe like a week or two later, then I added back in unrefined sugars. Like I still have to stay away from the refined sugars or have it in moderation. But I just knew dairy was not the way to go. So I never like tried to, you know, gradually add that back in or see what different types of dairy I could tolerate, maybe gold or something. Like I didn't do that at all. But I noticed that I can have gluten in moderation. Like I could just, I just kind of slowly just gradually add it back in and see what my body could handle and went from there. Yeah. So how long ago was this when you decided that you wanted to make this shift? So this was in 2014 was when I got serious. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I know you have four kids. Mm-hmm. Were your kids born at that time? Yes. We had our first daughter in 2010. 2010. Okay. So did you uh, start making multiple meals? Because of course, I know when having a family is a little different. So you were eating mostly, it sounded like probably when you were doing the elimination, you were doing more raw food at that time to try to figure out, because I don't really feel like you had a whole bunch of options when you were doing the elimination diet. I did. Or maybe I'm, it was, okay. It, it wasn't a lot of options. Well, I wouldn't say it's not a lot of options. I just really had to think about food differently. And really get into like nuts and different gluten-free grains and just really being really creative um, just because I'm not the type of person where I like to eat the same foods every single day. So yeah, I had to be really creative in the kitchen. But when we had our first daughter, 2010, and then I had a daughter, 2012, and then 2014, we had stair-step kids. They weren't vegan at the time. So and I wasn't vegan at the time. So it wasn't really making multiple meals. But after when 2014 hit, that was when we had to make the adjustment. And I was cooking, you know, meals for me and meals for them because they didn't become vegan until later. So did you feel like you were making the multiple meals because it was just a little easier so that everybody can adjust at their own pace? Yes. Or what motivated you? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's good. That's good. Oh, I love what you said as far as your perspective of it wasn't, that you didn't have options. You really just had to think of food differently. And that is like the basis of this lifestyle overall. So I'm so glad you said that Mm -hmm. because it really is about, it's not, oh gosh, I have nothing to eat. It really is. Okay, what can I do instead, instead of not having anything? So I'm so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So when you, I kind of, I just want to go back because I was reading up on your story as far as like your love of cooking and how that started when you were very young, six years old. Tell us about your grandmother and like how she inspired you to just enjoy food. Oh yeah, absolutely. So in a different way, like food through love is what I mean when I say that. Yeah. So my grandma Stella she was old school, meaning, you know, she made full breakfast, full lunch, full dinner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what we would probably cook now on a holiday, you know, she, she cooked like that on the regular. So growing up, I would see her in the kitchen making full meals. And as I got older, she would let me come in and she taught me how to make my first scrambled egg. And she taught me how to make grilled cheese and like all these different things. And so when I was a little kid, my favorite dessert was a cherry pie. And so she would let me come in and do the pie crust and she would make the filling for me. And it was just, you know, something that I sincerely appreciate now being an adult and very sentimental for me. But I really come from a family of of cooks. The way my grandmother was a great cook, my mom was a good cook. So I just always saw, you know, somebody in the kitchen, somebody was always cooking something, you know, holidays were a big, big thing in my family. And it's really just a part of who I am. I love it. So cherry pie, what else did you enjoy eating growing up? Because I'm thinking about, I think cherry pie is such an interesting choice for a kid. It is. <laughs> so it I really got to know what else you love. Honestly, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch a cherry pie now, but it was something about it then. I don't know what it was, but your grandmother made it. That's what it was. was. (laughs) Exactly what it was. We also ate a lot of strawberry shortcake. We always would have strawberries and we would cut them up and it's probably isn't the healthiest thing, but we would cut them up and you put sugar all on them and you stick it in the refrigerator and it turns into like syrup. And so Mm -hmm. we would get these little angel food cake things and we would eat that all the time in the summer we would do the the angel food cake with the strawberries and whipped topping on top and that's something that's something else we would make all the time but I also pretty much grew up on sweet potato pie and peach cobbler because my mom my mom can throw down on some sweet potato pie and peach cobbler and (laughs) so she would make it all the time make it for other people and that's that's two desserts I probably had at least once a month Mm, okay, so what else then? Like your your savory dishes, your everyday meals, what did that look like? As a kid, we, yeah. like I said, it was a lot of meat. So it was always like a roast beef or a meatloaf or pork chops. That was pretty much our our standard. My grandma used to also make an egg custard. I, I, I couldn't see stand it as a kid but mm-hmm. she always made this egg custard and for some reason it was always an egg custard at dinner but yeah we we grew up on a lot of meat it was a lot of fish fries we had a lot of backyard summer fish fries that brings back so many memories for me hush puppies and fried fish and salmon croquettes and you never you would think I was from the south but I'm, I'm just I'm a girl from Detroit I'm just a girl from Detroit okay but yeah we were giving me <laughs> south <laughs> where's your grandmother from your mom where's everybody so from they are from the south there my dad's side is from well actually they're both from Arkansas yeah just different okay. parts but yeah they're both from Arkansas That makes sense. So the reason I wanted to know like how you guys, how you ate growing up is because I know that 
it's so important to you to veganize some of your favorite dishes. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that is why one of the main reasons why you opened your bakery, because you want to make delicious vegan options that people can enjoy. Because a lot of times, you know, people feel like they're missing out when they decide to become vegan. So that's why I wanted to know what you enjoy eating, because I also know that you guys do like the soul food Sunday. Yes. So you incorporate a lot of that in there, don't you? I really do. Yeah. And that was the thing, like during my my trial period and my my time of trying to figure out, okay, you're going vegan, but I still want to eat foods that I love. Like I still mm-hmm. want to have those memories, but without the animal products. And so it took time of trying to see, you know, trial and error of what worked, what didn't work, what I could use as a substitute. But over the years of just trying out different ways of either the preparation method or, you know, using different grains or grains and nuts, or if I use a meat substitute, things like that, just to give me that texture. Because to me, it's really the texture, it's the seasoning, it's, you know, the, the fresh garlic and onion. It's just really playing with different things to get the comp- the right flavors and the combination together to really remind me of what I used to eat. And that's what I try to show people in my cooking is that we really don't have to miss out on anything. It's just, you know, kind of changing and being more open in your mind to just trying new things and knowing that, you know, I can enjoy my food that is also good for me. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I want to talk about your pound cake because that is one of the things that I miss the most. It reminds me so much of like growing up. Do you have any tips on how to make a good pound cake? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to ship you one. I'm going to definitely ship you one this over. So you can oh, it. please. I'm going to ship you one because I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not going to hold you up. Our pound cake is amazing. Like I would put my life on it. I would definitely say... It's really no different than how you make your traditional pound cake. We still use a uh-huh. vegan butter. We still use a vegan cream cheese. So you just want to still add those ingredients to give you that richness and the the, the moisture because don't nobody want no dry cake. Right. And that's what I can't get. I've had vegan pound cake and it was dry. And I was yeah. like, it's not what I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So don't don't spare the vegan butter. We got to make sure we put enough of that. We got to uh-huh. put enough in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I love it. So just making, just veganizing it. So, okay, let's get into it because I want to talk about all things as far as behind the scenes of opening your bakery outside of your grandmother. What inspired you to start with a brick and mortar in Detroit? Like, first of all, before we get into that, what does the vegan scene look like in Detroit? So the vegan scene has really changed. Detroit is really coming up and we're on the map. Of course, maybe for those who don't know, but like our first vegan restaurant here that was actually like a a restaurant restaurant was Detroit Vegan Soul. So Detroit Vegan Soul pretty much put Detroit on the map for, you know, being a a destination spot basically, but we were always known for having different like pop-up restaurants in the city. I guess maybe it was more low key, but it's so many different black owned pop-up restaurants that came 
along before any of that. And then it just slowly started to grow and more and more and more people were opening up their doors. Not all black owned, of course, but just different, different restaurants. And now it's just really kind of taking off. But for me during the pandemic, like I was already doing, I was on the catering, I was doing cooking classes and During the pandemic, once that hit, of course, you know, we were on lockdown. I had to think of, you know, different unique ways to still work my business. And so I kind of took some classes and put them online and started teaching that way. But I'm like, you know, at that time, my business name was a different name. And it just hit me like, I feel like I'm not telling my full story of, you know, where I come from and why I do this and why I love to do this. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to rebrand everything. And it's so funny because people thought I was crazy because I was already, you know, in publications and on the news. But I said, no, like I, I can feel it. Like I need to change this. I need to share my story. And so in the middle of the pandemic, I rebranded everything. And it also gave me time to really sit and think and say, Chantel, like, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? What do you want to do? And I said, you know, I do love cooking my savory dishes and I love all of that. But Detroit needs some 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 baked goods, you know, like we need some desserts up in here because, you know, just like in regular food, like people can cook, but not everybody can bake well. So, you know, I'm like, I'm about to open up a vegan bakery. And that's how it happened. It's Monique hopping in to tell you about one of my favorite brands of cookies and to let you know how you can save some money when you try them for yourself. Shout out to Maxine's Heavenly for sponsoring this episode of the show. I've told you about them before and I'm gonna keep talking about them because they make delicious gluten-free cookies that will satisfy any sweet tooth without a million ingredients. Maxine's Heavenly Cookies are naturally sweetened using ingredients like dates and coconut sugar. They have two lines of delicious cookies to choose from. From their super soft line of cookies, my favorites are the peanut butter chocolate chunk and snickerdoodle. And from their crispy line, I would say that my all-time favorite out of all the cookies has to be the chocolate chip. It's like the perfect ratio of chocolate chips and crunch. Ugh, my favorite. I think you'll love those. For a generous 25% discount, all you have to do is head over to MaxinesHeavenly.com and use the discount code BROWNVEGAN to save some money on your first purchase. Once again, that is MaxinesHeavenly.com, discount code BROWNVEGAN as one word. I'll also be sure to link them in the show notes for this episode as well as the blog post to make it easy for you to click through and purchase. Right now, I know you guys are looking for a permanent location, but where are you as far as in the city right now, as far as your pop-up? Yeah, so we are in a pop-up space inside of the Grand River Workplace. It's in a historical neighborhood in Detroit known as Grandma Rosedale. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. We were doing pop-ups there, like vending shows, things like that before. And that's when I said, oh, like this, this is my home. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be rooted. And, you know, people even now they're like, oh, why don't you go downtown? Why don't you go midtown? No, I want to stay in my neighborhood. Like I want to be in a neighborhood. I don't want to be, you know, downtown, midtown. Like I just want to be around my people where things like this aren't 
as accessible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we are right for the locals. We're at 19120 Grand River Avenue, but it's centrally located and I love it. I love the people. I love it's family oriented. It's just a beautiful, small little community in Detroit. Yeah. So how often are you doing the pop-ups at this location? Yeah. So we're open weekends only Friday through Sunday, 12 to six. That's good. That's Mm -hmm. really good. So what does this look like as far as the process of getting everything ready for your pop-ups? Are you, do you have to use a commercial space? Like what does this behind the scenes look like? Yeah. So it's a lot. (laughs) Why you said, yeah, about that. (laughs) So yeah, we have our, we have the space that we pay for. We have the kitchen that we pay for, which is why I'm looking for our permanent home where everything is all in one. But yeah, it's, I really looking as a, as a business owner and as a parent, I really just look at other business owners and just, I try to pick their brains if they allow me to, because it's a lot. Like, I wonder how people are even open, like, you know, six days a week or five days out of the week, because even though I'm not technically open Monday through Thursday, it doesn't stop. Like I literally have to take one day just for self-care and mental space, you know what I'm saying, to do nothing, which is really hard because the emails are still coming and the phone the phone calls yeah. are still coming and people, I still do catering orders. And then some people may want you do a cooking class and then I still ship my cakes and bake goods and I ship cookbooks. So it's like, it's, It's kind of like never ending, but I am learning though to designate days and times for different tasks and things. And, you know, one day out of the week, I may not answer emails or phone calls. Like I have to take that time. And then I still have to be a whole parent to four little people. So, you know, it's just a lot, Mm -hmm. but that is pretty much how I start my, technically, I guess my week starts on Thursday as far as like the baking process. And then we bake normally like Thursday and Friday. If it's really busy, we may bake Thursday, Friday and Saturday. But yeah, our our week, you know, pretty much starts on Thursday. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that you are putting this, that time into your schedule to just do nothing. Yeah. That is so, so important. I love it. I love it. And so when you are baking and you're putting everything together, do people usually pre-order like you'll know ahead of time or you just kind of estimate based on like previous results? So now because we're in our groove, I pretty much know how much we're going to need for the bakery, but people do order. They have to pre-order like if they want whole cakes or mm-hmm. anything like a dozen of something or a whole something, then they have to pre-order because we don't keep, you know, whole pies, whole cakes and things like that in the bakery. But outside of that, I pretty much have a number where I know this Which extra number of people are going to come in this weekend. Now, m- this is Mother's Day while we're recording, it's going to be Mother's Day weekend. I don't know when it's going to post, but like, I know this weekend is going to be pretty busy. So, or, you know, like holidays and Christmas and things like that. Those are exceptions, but just on the regular, I pretty much know the amount to make. Yeah. I like how you're selling it by the slice. That's good. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody who has never had your food before, they're like, okay, you know, this is a baked good, you know, let me ask you this though. So who is primarily your audience? Are they other vegans or is it people that are just happen to kind of come across it? Like, what does this look like for you overall? So surprisingly for, for the bakery and also for our, you know, savory food pop-ups, 
majority of those people are not vegan. They are just I like I like to call them veg curious. You know, they they like to try it. They like it. But they still, you know, eat their traditional foods, but they're open to it. And of course, we do get the vegan crowd. But I would say probably about 45 percent of our customers are not vegan at all or even I love it. that matter. Yeah. I can't wait to try this pound cake. I'm telling you. Yes. Chantel, you gotta send it to me. <laughs> because I, when I'm like thinking about tips and then you like shipping, I'm like, okay, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the like the most popular, like what is the dessert that you know you have to have or is going to be a problem? Yes. Yeah, so we definitely always have to have our two most popular Pound cakes are red velvet and lemon. So I know I always have to have those. Outside of that, it's our peach cobbler and our sweet potato pie. It's so funny because I had took it off the menu as we go into spring and summer. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, I need my peach potato <laughs> pie. And so it's like, because I always try to make sure people don't get bored and try to give them like different optional. And I try to do seasonal things. But that that's like staples that I absolutely have to have. And we also make an amazing oatmeal blueberry bar that is always on the menu and always sold out. So I just try to give people like, you know, Southern... Southern classics that, you know, you would get from like your grandmother and then just add in like some different unique options that that are just as delicious. Yes, 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 yes. I know that you were saying, of course, that you want a permanent location. That's like the goal mm-hmm. so that you can have, you know, more flexibility as far as the, the baking and putting everything together in one location. So I know that you won the pitch contest. Tell yeah. us about that, because I know that you, you need more funding. That is a big part of needing a new location. It's so expensive to have a brick and mortar as far as your lease and all of those things. So Yeah. Tell us about, I'm just curious about what that process looked like. Before I opened up the brick and mortar location, I went through a program called Retail Bootcamp. And the great thing about being here in the city of Detroit is there are so many resources to small business owners because they want you to be successful. They want you to open up businesses here. So they have so many different programs on how to teach you from start to finish. And so Retail Bootcamp was my first. Once you went through the program, they had a pitch where you could, you know, do your pitch. I think it was like three minutes and you had the possibility to win $5,000. And so I did that with several other classmates and I won. And I'm like, you know, since the very beginning, like I've been self-funding the business. And so I did not want to go, I already knew, like I did not want to go the loan route. And I just had faith at, I would be able, I didn't know how, I had no idea how. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to open up this brick and mortar, but I know that I'm supposed to. And I trust and believe that God is going to provide me to be able to do so. And no lie, I entered that pitch and I entered other pitches. I think I did like maybe three or four different pitch competitions. I lost probably one It might have been even more, but the great thing about even when you lose, it gives you practice, number one. And then number two, it still exposes you to other people and other resources that you can tap in and connect to. So I would just strongly advise anybody, like if you are afraid or whatever, just do it because it's, it's really like 
it's really not a loss. Like I said, you you gain the resources or you gain the practice. And so with the other pitch competitions that I won, I just took all of that money. And that's how I was able to get my equipment, get my furniture for the bakery, do my down payments. Like literally, I didn't have to spend really close to anything out of my own pocket on opening up my brick and mortar from being able to have funds to start off my staff and uniforms, like everything, anything that I needed, that's what I used. So I was just so thankful and so blessed because it literally just all came together. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, I love to hear that. And so what do you see, like, where do you see outside of having the permanent location, what do you see your business going in the next few years? Um, I always want to know these days, especially since the pandemic started, like what people have as far as their vision. Cause I know that the pandemic is how everything was birthed. You know, it gave you an opportunity to sit down and really think about what you wanted and how you wanted your business to look. But how do you feel about the next few years? Yeah. So I definitely been playing around with that. Recently, I was blessed with an opportunity to travel to Napa for like a culinary experience. And it really just kind of opened up my eyes to just being outside of the city. And so I do know that although I am looking for the permanent home for our food, it's not going to be a traditional like sit down restaurant because I really actually do not want to be tied down to just one place. I want to travel. I want to I want to do travel dinner parties. I want to pop up in Chicago and then next week, Miami. And like I want to go all around the world. So as I'm working on this, it is going to be a different, I guess, business model. Cause it's not just going to be your traditional standard, you know, Wednesday through Sunday type situation. I want it to be more of a space where on the days that we're closed, other businesses, other chefs in the city, because there's so many amazing vegan chefs in the city who just don't have a place to operate and show their gift. Like I want to be able to open up the space for other chefs. I want to be able to do like high-end dinner parties or late night, you know, supper club type situation. Like it's just going to be very, very, very different. But yeah, how I foresee it though, is just me traveling a lot more and just showing people my, or sharing my food with people rather in different places and spaces. Ooh, I love this for you. This is going to be amazing. Ah, I look forward to seeing it. I really do. This sounds great. Thank you. Because yeah, I feel like we don't really have a lot of that type of experience. I mean, this in the vegan community is kind of everything is like the same to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. you know? So giving people that really the experience that they want, like you said, like a luxury, more high end experience is a, that's a plus. I love it. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. So the part that really resonated with me that you said earlier is how you really are mindful about scheduling time for yourself. And I'm telling you that like really hit home for me because last month was the first time in a while that I didn't take any days off. And I was like, no more of this, (laughs) no more of that. Like I am very, very, very intentional about taking time off to do absolutely nothing. So I love how you said that. Is there anything else that you want to share as far as advice for other entrepreneurs, as far as making sure that we are taking care of ourselves? Anything you want to share? I would just say making sure we take that time because just being 100% transparent, a couple months ago, 
I was done. Like I said, forget this. <laughs> I'm not doing this no more. I'm just wow. going to go back to have a nine to five. And it's easier, ain't it? <laughs> it's easier. It. I was, I was done, done. Okay. Like literally, because it was so much going on in my personal life. And like, that's why I said, like, you know, when you still have to show up as the face of your brand and you still have to show up, you know, as the business owner and everything needs to be correct and you got to service the people and you got to have a certain level of customer service and do everything in excellence. It's like when you're spinning your wheels and you're doing all of that, but you're not replenishing burnout is real. And so Mm -hmm. I was just going, 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 going really honestly, you know, since we had first opened and mind you, I just had a baby. So it was just literally going, going, going. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I had hit that, that, that brick wall. And I was like, yep, I'm done. When this pop-up is over, I'll be returning to work and I'll just be living a regular life. And I will pick this business back up years down the line. And I went on vacation. Okay. I went on vacation and I just did nothing. And I sat in silence and I just really thought about, okay, what systems can I have into place so this doesn't happen again? And how can I really make sure that I make time for myself? And how can I make time, you know, to just do the things that I love so that I can be better for myself and for others? And it really gave me like the clear picture of like, wait a minute, Chantel, like, we don't want to go work for nobody else. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I had like this whole like epiphany, like, oh my gosh, like I almost gave it, like just quit on everything, but I just really needed to take a moment and catch my breath. And it just, it just gave me like so much rest and so much peace. And I was able to see like, okay, we're about to do this, that, and this. And it gave me clarity. And it's just, just take time for yourself. That's all I can say. I love it. That is so key. Uh, So, so, so important. And I love that even though you had to go through all of that to get to that moment that you're here and that you're very intentional about the life that you want for yourself and your family. So I think that's so important. Tell us how we can support you. How can we support the bakery? How can we help you get to a permanent location? Tell us whatever you want us to do to make this happen for you. Yes. So I will be launching our crowdfunding campaign through Indiegogo very soon this month. So if you could follow us on Instagram or Facebook, at Estella's Cuisine. I will notify everybody there once it's up and running. You can visit our website at www.estellascuisine.com to place an order for any of our baked goods or to order a cookbook. All of that is available on there. Yes. Thank you so much, Chantel, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing, yes, I look forward to seeing all of the growth in your business and just all of the good. All of the good things. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.